right, live from Studio 6B. <laughs> 8 o'clock on the East Coast. Wait, deep, deep prep. <laughs> deep prep for this show. As, as Aaron counts the show down, every night we always go, wait, we're on? <laughs> starting? We're going to start prepping. <laughs> oh, God. Live from Studio 6B. <laughs> Do you have any news? Okay, good. Um, glad you're in on a Wednesday. Want to thank the boys for a great show last night. I heard I got oh. lots of great emails. Did you? Because I felt terrible. Oh, why? Oh. Uh, the, the, the stupid Wi-Fi kept cutting in and out with the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Ah, ah, we were. Just, I felt like I was constantly jumping back and forth. Well, so, I, so I, I, I felt a little disconjointed, but thankfully, uh, you know, Slick Rick and uh, David kind of helped, helped steady the show. Okay, I can tell you this. Um, by judging... By oh, uh, not seeing any of it, only judging by the, you know, the normal three, four hundred emails and other things oh, that oh, I saw. Oh, oh. Only three or four hundred said they sucked? There was no, 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 <laughs> no nobody. Oh, People okay. Actually got one that said, boy, everybody's in a better mood when Dame is not there. <laughs> that's an understatement. Got a couple. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. oh, okay. Slick's fired. Slick's fired up tonight. Start Shots fired oh, We early. love you, Big D. Come on, we were missing Shots you Shots fired night. early. That's fine. We were missing you. I had a beautiful day. My daughter yeah, got confirmed. That go? oh, nice. was beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, big step. Very nice. I'll tell you, and um, Church of the Holy Cross did a beautiful job. Nice church. The bishop. Um, Archbishop was fantastic, really fantastic. I mean, personable. Was he funny? Because some you, sometimes these guys can can be very very funny when they just start, you know, almost like they start riffing. No, no, it wasn't funny, but he was very relatable. Okay, talked just very relatable. Gave a beautiful uh, homily to the kids about. You know, contributing as a, uh, uh, you know, contributing every day, waking up and trying to contribute something to society, whether it's, you know, obviously in the church, being involved in the church, but just being involved with whatever your, you know, career is and these, you know, different world these kids are growing up in. And, you know, it's just a night. It's just a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fun. It's beautiful to watch the kids kind of re, um, you know, restate their baptismal vows, obviously, because obviously they didn't, you know, don't remember it. So to see them do that, and it was just a nice day. Just a really nice day. Nice group of kids. Church was fantastic. Beautiful ceremony. Music, which I always have. Was Harry doing one, the music? One of my big things about the Catholic Church has always been the music. <laughs> I've just, it's just being, you know, and being a music person, it's always this, ooh, my ears bleed. Not yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Gertrude really? on the organ. Oh, beautiful. Just, oh, I can't go to this church. Their music sucks. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> Everything's out of tune. My ears are so... <laughs> my ears are so trained to well, like... Well, that kid can't carry a tune with like a hand. Perfect pitch. It's like everything's just a little flat. It's like, ah! Yeah. Oh, but, um, but not yesterday. Just beautiful. So, very nice day all around. So... <laughs> Uh, glad you're in uh, 803 on the East Coast, Real America's Voice. The great John Solomon will be in studio. Can't wow. I'm saying this. That's amazing. Will be so, here in studio, I believe, somewhere close to the 9 o'clock hour. So it's John Solomon Day. Talk about it. It is John Solomon hit. Day. It's a live hit. This is as live as live can be. He'll be walking. I said to Harry, I don't care if we're in the middle of a segment. Have him just walk in and sit down. The great John Solomon will hopefully be here. If he can, he's doing questions and answers over at the first Amer um, America First Warehouse. 
They did a special from 6 to 7, which I was over there for. And then I left there at 7 to get over here in time for this. Um, now, now does, does John realize that Harry's going to be taking him here? Does Harry have to lie to him and say he's taking him to, like, Applebee's or something? Well, no, no, he, no I talked to John before I left. And he surprisingly wanted to come over. Wow. I said, you're John Solomon, though. Remember that. You don't want to ruin your career by coming. No, he's, he likes. He seemingly does really like the show and likes us. Yeah, he goes, but I'm stuck here with Harry, so can I come <laughs> hang out with you guys? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe trying to get away from Harry, yeah. Good. <laughs> the question is, does Harry know how to get here? So, <laughs> good point. Get the old GPS fired up. Well, I can tell you what, John, uh, the first question I'm going to ask John when he gets here, given his experience today of traveling from D.C. to New York, how how does anyone buy the idea that you could have a two hour, a two hour chase around Manhattan if you're Meghan Markle? <laughs> what, are you ta- what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I can run faster than most of cars in on, on a New York City street almost any day of the week. That's a slow motion chase. <laughs> two hours. How could you do that in New York City? They were power walking. They didn't. They didn't put that part in the story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. So there on. were many near misses, and I'm like, that's my daily commute. Many near misses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe they were in a taxi and they just forgot to tell us. That sounds like a taxi ride in New York City on any given day. A near miss with what? Fecal matter on the ground? What are they talking <laughs> two, about? Two hour New chase. Yorkers. A two hour chase. Ugh. Oh my God. Come on, <laughs> stop. Chase. Stop the madness. <laughs> what do you think? We've never been in the city before? <laughs> Two-hour chase? Where? Maybe one of those open-top tour buses was following them. <laughs> yeah, like the ones in London. <laughs> Where do they have a two-hour chase in Manhattan? You can't drive four feet without coming to a complete stop. From here to the door of the studio, it would take an hour. Well, we had a two-hour chase. Yeah, sure you did. Yeah, yeah. From from uh, 34th Street to 45th Street, <laughs> yeah. that yeah. would have taken two hours. And the 12 squeegee guys that kept asking us for money <laughs> as they washed our windows. <laughs> oh my God! Did you nice work, those guys. <laughs> and I think Mr. Solomon could attest to that today. As he'll, I'll, it'll be the first thing I ask him because uh, I think he took him two hours to get from D.C. to the G.W. Bridge there around the city, <laughs> and then it took Four him three hours, hours to, get to get from the G.W. to the America's First Warehouse. Wow. Oh. New York traffic. Oh, no, we had a two-hour chase. Oh, yeah, sure you did. Okay. <laughs> I saw that. I just started laughing out loud. Um, that, that story must be uh, must have been for the people who have never been to New York City, who I maybe think that that could be possible. You got one, one-way street. <laughs> Go into the city and drive down any avenue and try to make a right. <laughs> And, and with the people crossing, <laughs> try to make it right. Yeah, you get one car through per green light, maybe. Right. Without having to literally have your bumper on people's knees. Right. To try to sneak in as because they cross and they just don't care that you're there. Yeah, they get the walk signal and they just walk. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. And then you have to sit there and wait. And like you said, you can't make you can't make a right. But even worse, try to make a left. Oh my goodness, a left is nearly. More impossible than making a right. You just, it's sometimes it's just better off just keep going straight until you hit water. <laughs> a two hour chase. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. So they're Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, a two hour chase were, were to believe. I think the New York uh, Police Department came out and said, well, <laughs> not quite. No. Not quite. So. Uh, so lots to cover tonight. Well, great John Solomon. Hopefully, uh, be able to join us for a little bit here before he heads back to Washington. 
Uh, Slick Rick's going to do some sports. I saw a little bit of the game one last night, and I tell you what, early on, I thought, oh, this is a, this series is going to be quick, easy, and over. Adjustments. But Adjustments. Uh, oh, I was a little surprised by the final yeah. score. L.A. made a little bit of a game of it. Yeah, good old LeBron made a good run there. Yeah. Yeah, so now the Eastern Conference starts tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Miami. And that would Boston. be the uh, Philadelphia. Uh, no, the nah, Miami nah, Heat. That, and would, the be, that would be the uh, Doc oh, Crimea River less sixes oh, yeah, not he's playing gone. tonight. He's gone, right? Yeah. He's oh, gone. He was gone before they got out of the locker that night. Yeah. So, so we'll get to that. Um, got some video to get to. WTF of the day we'll get to as well. We'll get to some news and just the news. What's coming up in your news tonight? Anything that's um, um, caught your attention? A little something about Diane Feinstein. Oh, my God. I saw. I mean, <laughs> I think she thinks she was in a two-hour chase in New York City. Yeah. She thinks she's been around. A little RFK news. A little uh, pitchforks in New York City. Uh, you know, the basics. Did you see RFK on with, um, I think the show's called Talking Points or Something Points? Crystal Ball and this guy who they do this show that's fairly popular, I guess. Is that where he talked about... uh, She used to be on MSNBC. Senator John Kennedy? Uh, No, this was on vaccines and COVID. She tried to take him on and in typical lib fashion (laughs) wouldn't let him talk. Called Breaking Points. Breaking Points, yeah, that's it. Breaking Points. Um, You know, she starts out and says to him, well, one of the, uh, the vaccines where I just don't agree with any, I don't agree with you, I don't agree with you. And, and so she's, then she launches in and he tries to come back and say, well, why don't you be specific on, you know, whatever the first question. I mean, she just would not let him talk. And then when he tries to defend himself in his position, she goes, well, we only have five minutes here. We can't get into everything. So go watch the, <laughs> go watch the interview he did with um, Megyn Kelly instead. Well, it's like he, you have him on the show. Yeah, let him talk. If you're going to say I don't agree with anything you talk about on vaccines, like again, bring something up, ask a question, and then let him talk. Yeah, it's it's almost like when you have somebody testifying uh, in front of Congress, and the person asks a five minute question and is like, "That's my time," and the person never gets a chance to answer a question because right. they're too busy, too busy, you know, kind of espousing their beliefs and their emotions are just flowing. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you would say something like that. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. And if you're going to bring them on your show and you know you only have X amount of time, why wouldn't you decide that, that okay, this is going to be the crux of the interview then? She's like, oh, we have to get to other things. So we only have five minutes. So go watch <laughs> Megyn Kelly's interview with them. It's like, I just don't understand that. Is that what she said? That's literally go, what she said. Go, go watch Megyn Kelly. Go watch interview? the interview he did with Megyn Kelly because I thought she did a great job and we're not going to have all that much time. And he's trying to defend himself <laughs> on vaccines. Jeez. And she's all in on vaccines. She's all in on them. That's crazy. That's like the Elon Musk interview. Did you see that today? I saw every second <laughs> oh of it. Goodness. David Faber, I mean. Oh, my goodness. That guy's a, that guy's a tool bag. You know, I, honestly, I thought. I thought a lot of it he did. I thought his questions were good, whatever, fine. But then he gets into the political thing and he, and he gets into Musk's own tweets. And these are guys in the media. This is their job to talk. First, this is their job. Why don't you censor yourself, he says to yeah. him. Censor Why don't yourself. you censor yourself? Yeah. Do you ever think this might lose your company money? <laughs> I love this answer where he just quotes uh, Princess Bride, and he just stares at him, and after he says, I don't care. 
and he just stares at him for a few seconds. And the guy, and the dude had no idea what to do. It's like he just answered your question, bro. React, and he was like, uh, "I mean, it, isn't it weird though to watch somebody in the media? And they're quite, why don't you censor yourself? Right. This is the guy in the media. This is you're in the media because if you don't like do First it, Amendment, this is what you do. This right. is, you speak, you give opinion, you talk, you ask questions. You want? Do you want information out there or not? Why don't you censor yourself? Because if you don't do it, we'll do it for you. Yeah, that's basically what he's what he's saying. I mean, it's just baffling. It's not baffling, obviously, but it's just to see it. It's just like, what? Right. Just to actually see it and, and kind of like scratch your head, like, what am I seeing here? Like to do the, do the old, you know, the, the puppy head tilt, like, what? What goes, just happened? He goes, well, why don't you name one thing that was wrong? He goes, well, how about Hunter Biden's laptop? He goes, oh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Like, hello, hello, David. You did good prep for this interview, but whoever prepped this section of it didn't do a great job for you. All right, just getting started. We got a lot to do. The great John Solomon hopefully will join us when he leaves the America's First Warehouse. Slick Rick's got sports. Delgado's got the news. Glad you're in on a Wednesday live from Studio 6B. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday night. Good to be back on the show. Had a lovely day yesterday, though. I have to say, and thanks to the guys for filling in. David Zier is always great. I uh, love having him being part of the LFS Six B family, and, I, and as he knows, he's welcome on this show every single night if he wants to be. So, uh, but of course, he does a lot of traveling with Rav. But it's always great to have him on the show. Um, Slick Rick, let's do some sports. Got a lot of. Um, Slick Rick shirts going out. Got some requests for that new Friday Night Rodeo shirt as well. Slick Rick looking good. Uh, Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. If you want to see all the best deals for you, the LFS6B audience. And, of course, if you buy anything from Mike Lindell and you use our code, send us the receipt that you received, the emailed receipt showing your shipping information, what you bought, and the code that you used. And then pick something out from 6bmerch.com, and we will send it to you absolutely free. As a bonus for supporting Mike Lindell, emails go to lfs6b at yahoo.com. Uh, if you've sent an email, trust me, it has been received. It is being processed. It is in either um, you know, in production now or in pre-transit getting shipped out. People are writing in saying, I sent this. I never heard anything. We got them all. We're a little backed up, but we're getting everything out. If you sent it, it's been received. Uh, If you didn't follow directions, it's definitely not going to go out. If you sent me your receipt and didn't tell me that you want anything, there's not much I can do. People (laughs) sent receipts, which I appreciate, but they sent no choice of clothes, nothing, not a selection, not a color, not a size. They just sent me the receipt. So if you did that, go back and check. And then resend it with what you want from us, because without us knowing, we can't send it to you. So now, now, do they include a picture? Should they include a picture? No, they don't need to. Everything's oh, okay. named. Just give All me right. the name. You can, you can if you want. You can send a picture, but just give me the name of the what you want. I want the Slick Rick Rodeo shirt. I want a medium, and I want it in graphite heather. Or I want it in black or white. Just that's all we need. So, 
But you got to give us something. You can't give us a blank receipt because we have no idea what you want and what size you are. So I thought you were a mind reader. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do some sports. Look, Rick, what's going on? All right, let's get to the scoreboard. Big D, Game 1 NBA East Conference Finals going to tip off in about 10 minutes in the TD Garden in Boston. Probably about 20 minutes by the time they get done with all the pregame intros and the national anthem. The most important thing they'll do tonight is the national anthem, in my opinion. Uh, that's over on TNT, uh, but you're going to want to stick with us. And look at a couple of baseball scores. The Orioles over the Angels, 3-1, to one, middle of the sixth. Bottom of six, Marlins lead the Nationals, 4-2. to two. Yankees and Blue Jays, no score up in Toronto, end of four. The Mariners are uh, getting bombed by the Red Sox, 9 nothing top of the third. Rays over the Mets, one nothing top of the fifth. Mets are losing. What else is new? Uh, Cardinals <laughs> over the Brewers, one nothing end of two. End of one, no score, Braves and Rangers. Cubbies over the Astros, three zip, top of the first. Middle of the first, Guardians over the White Sox, one nothing in South Chicago. The Pirates redeeming themselves earlier today from last night's loss, bombing the Tigers, eight zip. And the Dodgers over the Twins, seven to three. That is also a final. And speaking of the Dodgers, well, we had a very candid conversation about the Dodgers' uh, public relations last night. And, uh, well, Rick, I guess it must have hit home because Dodgers draw mixed reactions after severing ties with anti-Catholic drag organization. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were to be honored at the event. This is Ryan uh, Morick of Fox News Sports. The Los Angeles Dodgers announced they will no longer honor an organization that was supposed to participate in its upcoming Pride Night. The Dodgers were going to include the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the SPI, another new acronym for you, in their June 16th Pride Night celebration. But after Senator Marco Rubio wrote a letter to MLB regarding the group's anti-Christian sentiments, the team has backtracked. The event has become a meaningful tradition, highlighting not only the diversity and resilience within our fan base, but also the impactful work of extraordinary community groups, the Dodgers said in a statement. The Dodgers added that they were made aware that their inclusion with the SPI became the source of some controversy. <laughs> Given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening and in an effort to distract from the great benefits that we have seen over the years of Pride Night, we are deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. The decision received mixed reactions from fans ranging from Dodgers being celebrated for the move by Rubio to being called cowards. For once, common sense prevailed in California, Rubio said in response to the team's statement. I have to agree with the senator. Uh, another user called the SPI board perverts at best and called the Dodgers decision a good move. Hateful organizations like that do not deserve praise, wrote another user. This will be the Dodgers' 10th Pride Night. So I guess they decided to uh, recant and repent because they, uh, they're not going to have them honored, which uh, I think is a good move for the Dodgers. However, I think a lot of folks are probably done. The damage is there. Sports is woke enough. Then you start walking these fine lines, Big D. I, I don't think it's good. So you know, I don't know if you heard about that story with the, uh, with the Sisters of a Perpetual uh, Indulgence. No. They were, yeah, they were uh, a group that was making fun of Catholics, anti-Catholic group, and uh, very, very poor choice of the Dodgers to honor them on Pride Night. Why would you want to celebrate that? But, you know, this is what we have, have with this woke society that we have in, in going on. And, um, well, uh, let's see. I got time for one more story. You got plenty of time. All Take right. all the time you want. Yeah. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has strong words for Ja Morant after the latest incident. Of course, we talked about what happened, him brandishing another gun on Instagram. Had that in the sports report on Monday. You know, uh, but- let's talk about this for a second. Because I saw, did you see first take this morning by any chance? I did not. So, J.J. Redick makes the point um, to say that did you see this i saw so mad mad dog was his usual self you know 40 game suspension c in january it's got to be harsh he's jj reddick made a point and i 
I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I guess I hadn't thought about it in the fact that um, nothing illegal about what he did. Right. He didn't break the law. There's nothing illegal about what he did. So wh- what, are, what are we doing here? Well, apparently Adam Silver doesn't like the look. I guess it's the image that he's portraying for young people, be brandishing a gun. You know, this is the second time they, they already had that conversation with him about the Denver Strip Club two and a half months ago. And I believe they told him, please, you know, let's, let's limit the Instagram right, but, carry, but carrying a, 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 a carry, full yep. carry firearm in uh, what state is it? I think it's t- completely legal. Right. And so he, JJ was kind of making the point was, you know, we hear from these Second Amendment people all the time about guns and, 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 and packing their guns. And we see these pictures of these congressmen with the guns with their young kids as their Christmas cards. Um, there's nothing illegal about it. He broke no laws. Why are we bringing the hammer down or trying to bring the hammer down on this kid when he didn't do anything that was illegal? And meanwhile, he was kind of making it a political thing on the Republican. No, he says, you know, of course he is. Yeah. Um, all we hear about in government is second amendment rights and protect our rights and stay away from our guns. But now it's, so what do you think about that argument? You know what? And I saw what he said and I was like, he's missing the point. JJ Reddick is just simply catering to the woke mob. You know, Oh, you know, he didn't break any laws. It's a second amendment. It's not a second amendment issue. The second amendment is not the problem here. The problem is what he is doing. He's dancing around on video. Now, he's, he's signed a contract, from what I understand, a very lucrative multi-million dollar contract, not only with the Memphis Grizzlies, but that contract is also with the NBA. And there are certain things he needs to uphold to that, and part of that is a policy of their personal conduct. And he keeps... <laughs> and, and, and what baffles me about this is that... This guy is not a thug. He did not grow up as a thug. Oh, middle class neighborhood. Yeah. Middle class Suburbia. neighborhood, yeah. both parents and all. I mean, it was he had a Brady Bunch kind of kind of upbringing. So for him yeah. to be doing this is stupid. I mean, there's stupid, and then there's really stupid. Stupid was the first time he did it. Really stupid is the second time he did it, because the first time he knew, ah, this was not good. I probably shouldn't have done this. I got in trouble. Let me not do this again. But it, it didn't sink in. He still thinks he's a thug. He still thinks, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it up for the yeah. kid. The ki- you know what, dude? Um, if you want somebody to have a gun, give it to your security detail. You are a very uh, important asset, not only to yourself, but to your family. And you should have somebody with a gun who is who is your security detail who makes sure you don't have to worry about carrying one because they got your back. I, it, it, and for Reddick to say, oh, well, you know, this is it's not Second Amendment. It's it goes to character. It goes to what he is doing. Exactly. And it's not something you want to be portraying and throwing around like, look how look how cavalier I am, because kids are impressionable. You know, I, I don't know. That's, no, I think that's just me. No. I think you're dead on. I think you're right. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. All right, live from Studio 6B. We'll do some news. More sports. Got a couple things I want to get into as well on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Thirty minutes. 
minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's going to do some news. Aaron and Fran holding it down. The great John Solomon may join us here in the next uh, hour or so before he heads back to uh, Washington after doing a great special tonight with um, the great David Zier, who, of course, you've seen here the last two nights over at the America's First Warehouse, took some questions. John said some things in that special that I actually want to talk to him about that were, I thought, really profound uh, about the coming election, about where the country is, his feelings on where the country is. He's, well, yeah, he's much more um, positive in his outlook of where he thinks the country could be going in 24 than, well, let's say I am right now. So he said a couple things that really got me thinking, and I said, boy, I need to talk to him about that and see why he thinks that. I think everybody's more positive than you. No. That's very possible. It's very possible. And maybe that's because I'm just so in it every day, prepping for this show and other things that I do. This is I'm always looking for the uh, stuff to talk about, which is always, unfortunately, maybe some of the negative stuff. But I mean... You know, I don't think I'm that. Far, I don't think I'm far away from people. When I I get the messages, I read the messages, I see the emails, I get all the getter messages, I see the Twitter messages, I see people saying the same thing. They're they're where I am. They see this Durham report. They see what's happened. They see what's happened to President Trump. What's happened to his kids? What's how how easily they just what Adam shifted for all these years. They see how easily they just go into Marlago. They just do what they want to do. They just, and there's, there's in two impeachments. We've seen everything they've done. Crossfire Hurricane, Carter Page. You can go down the list of lives that were ruined. You can go down the list of things that have happened to Republicans, to President Trump. And then you see them caught red-handed, total, and nothing happens. There's nothing that happens. There's no payback. There's no nothing that happens. There's sternly written letters. There's sternly written Twitters, tweets from Republicans. Nothing happens. People can't square that without getting angry. They shouldn't, at least. And you see Adam Schiff going on MSLSD last night, still defending it, still defending it. It's amazing. This slime Goldman from New York today. Defending it. That's the b- biggest waste of taxpayer money with the Durham report ever, this guy, this slime. They have no scruples, no morals, no moral compass, no anything. And as I've been saying, it's just in your face because they don't care. They know there's, there's no payback. There's no pushback. There's never any consequences for anything they do. They do whatever they want. They've weaponized the government against their political opponents and against their ideological opponents in that being you, the people. And it's every day we look at this. Every day you look at what's going on. IRS or Hunter Biden. Well, pull everybody off of the case. We're going to pay. Well, we'll show them. They think they're going to have a whistleblower. It's going to come out against us. You think you're coming out against the regime? You think you're coming out against us? Really? 
You better think again. I saw this video today. Two FBI agents showed up at this girl's house asking about someone who doesn't even live there anymore. Something, someone who's, you know, on the abortion thing. I, I don't exactly remember the story. But I saw that two FBI agents show up at this house. Just out of nowhere. Oh, you think you're going to, oh, really? You're going to get in our way on that too? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Victor Davis Hanson has a piece today. I'm not here, certainly, to defend that, that weasel George Santos. But Victor Davis Hanson makes the point. Why don't we hang all the members of the Liars Club, he says. In the great scheme of lying, George Santos is a minnow who was snagged to great acclaim because the lying sharks swim and circle with impunity. And that's exactly right. Goldman says today in this video, this guy from New York, I'm embarrassed to be walking the halls with George Santos. He lied. He has no problem with Elizabeth Warren lying her way through Harvard. He has no problem with Blumenthal lying about his service. He has no problem with Biden lying about everything. He has no problem with all of the liars that he has around him in his party. But he gets up there today and says he's embarrassed to be walking the halls with George Santos, which fine, on its own, okay, yeah, great. Guy's going to get what he deserves eventually. He's not going to be there. People are going to decide. But what kind of stand, that's, what's, do you have a standard or it's only a standard if the guy has an R in front of their name? You have no problem with the, with the Democrats who are as bad, if not worse? So I think it pisses people off as much as it does me every day. How do you square what we've seen over the last six years, four years of the Trump presidency, which we now know more and more every day what they did? 51 officials sign off in this. Yeah, put my name on it. No second thoughts. No thoughts of what's going to happen. No thoughts of what could happen. No thoughts of their career. No. I'll, yeah, put my name on it. That's fine. What's going to happen? Yeah. Nothing. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm, I'm always kind of downtrodden about where we are. Eight years of Obama, the most dangerous man to ever hold the office, and now four years it is. I almost swore. <laughs> Um, I'm afraid of, of 24. I'm afraid of 24 for a lot of reasons. Because 24 is it. 24 is it. For, you know, 24 is going to set the, the direction of this country for the next, I don't know what number you want to put on it. 30 years. Maybe. For the yeah. rest of our existence. For Oz, absolutely. Yeah. This it, generation, yeah. I mean... This is what I keep saying. We have no choice but to win. That's it. That, all, that's the only allegiance costs. we have is winning. At all costs. At all and any yeah. costs. So John talked about a lot of this over there, and I sat back and thought, I need to talk to him about this because he's much more upbeat than I am. So all right, I'll get more into Victor Davids Hansen's piece today, by the way, which is on our social media called Hang All the Members of the Liars Club, because he's absolutely right. 
Why haven't federal prosecutors gone after Elizabeth Warren? She clearly lied her way into Harvard Law School professorship and her presidential candidacy by claiming, in part, quite falsely, she was Native American, supposedly Harvard's first uh, indigenous law professor. Her Senate colleague, Blumenthal, flatly lied. He says he misspoke about being a Vietnam War veteran. He never confessed to misspeaking about his resume until he was caught. Both senators, apparently like Santos, gained political traction in their various campaigns from such lies. But the two apparently never put them in writing, or at least not as blatantly as did Santos, so, hmm. Well, actually, hers is in writing, right? Because she had to mark off those boxes when she applied. So hers, hers are on official forms. His was just on a resume. Here you go. Here's my resume. Who doesn't fluff their resume? I mean, this guy fluffed his resume a lot, but uh, (laughs) let's let's face it. it. (laughs) Um, But again, I I, I point the finger at the people who are vetting this guy. They didn't do their job. It's a simple process. Here's his resume. All right. um, What do you normally do? Do you just take it and go, okay, you're good? Or do you start going, all right, well, you went here. Oh, I know someone over here. Let me uh, reach out to them and uh, double-check things. We got to double-check things. Yep. You know, we got to make sure everything's on the up and up. You say you did this. You say you did that. You say you worked here. You say you've got this. Let's just – a simple background check would have set all the alarms off, and it would have saved the Republican Party uh, – what is it, in, in northern part of Nassau County and part of Queens there? A whole lot of problems. And a whole lot of trouble. But what do they want to do? They want to blame him for pulling the wool over their eyes. Meanwhile, they're the ones that were supposed to be doing... They had one job. Get a guy to get elected. Make sure he's a good enough candidate to get elected. What'd they do? They just grabbed... You, you know why they took him? Because he's a gay guy. As simple as that. A Republican and he's gay? We got a winning ticket. That's all they... They look for the, the, the peripheral stuff. They don't look for the character of the person. They don't check the person, right? If it's a certain color, if it's a certain uh, ideology, if it's a, any, anything peripheral that can, you know, oh, look how, look how inclusive we are. Look how stupid you are. You guys got taken for a ride by a guy who I guess he's left a trail of, of uh, lies and schemes uh, the past few years, I guess, down to Brazil and back. Who knows? I don't really know that much about him. I know David Zier does, and he's uh, yeah. he was taken in by him. But, you know, you got, you got to look. Hey, you know, if you're letting somebody into your house and then you complain when they wreck your house, uh, maybe you should have checked and made sure that who they say they are. One of the regional newspapers in that area that he got elected for did pull up a lot of the inconsistencies in his story before the election, and nobody grabbed that story and ran with it. They just <laughs> nobody, buried it. And nobody did anything with it. They're like, oh, don't talk about this now. <laughs> so, But the bigger point of Victor Davis Hansen's piece today is to say basically, okay, so now you know, if federal and state prosecutors are going to start criminalizing Santos lies, um, okay, congratulations. That, that kind of policy may be long overdue, he says. But now can we at least extend the the long arm of the law to the real big liars, the other players? Like maybe we could start with John Brennan, the former CIA director. He lied on two separate occasions. In one case, under oath, which, by the way, we've talked about how much of that is going on lately. How much lying under oath and lying to Congress has been going on lately? His untruths were, by the way, were not mere campaign finance fabrications like Santos. They involved falsely swearing 
that the CIA did not spy on the computers of Senate staffers. Let me assure you, the CIA was in no way spying, he said, on committees or the Senate. He also lied that the U.S. drone missions in prior years had not killed innocent bystanders. He said there hasn't been a single collateral death because of the exceptional proficiency provision of the capabilities that we've been able to develop. Brent, Brent, Brennan, not only when he was he caught, he admitted to both lies, but he faced zero consequences and, in fact, was soon rewarded with an on-air analyst job at MSNBC, which is, of course, where they all go to fall up. James Clapper would be next on the list. The former director of the Office of National Intelligence, like Santos, he lied. But unlike Santos, Clapper was under oath to Congress. And further, unlike Santos, Clapper was not a small fish, but a whale in charge of coordinating the nation's intelligence bureaus. Clapper's lies mattered and mattered a great deal especially when he swore to Congress that the National Security Agency did not spy on Americans. When caught, Clapper confessed that he gave the least untruthful answer. (laughs) He faced zero consequences for his perjury. And like Brennan, he marketed his anti-Trump into a comfortable cable news gig. You wonder why people are in a bad mood? Because we got to see these people every night. Like they're experts. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll do some news when we get back. John Solomon will join us, top of the hour. Biden heads to Japan for the G7 meetings. Americans are feeling more unsafe than ever. The rapid rise of AI has alarmed even the most naive Americans. Recent testimony from AI pioneer Sam Altman has revealed what most people have suspected. AI is a threat to humanity. The capacity of this computer intelligence is beyond anything we could fathom even a decade ago. What alarms people are the powers of manipulation this could bestow on societies, whether scientific, political, or emotional. All aspects of society could be manipulated by these technologies, these technologies that we created. Altman's testimony indicates that he thinks federal agencies should be created to control these emerging AI technologies. Something conservatives must loathe but accept for the protection of our nation. Another federal agency. Maybe we could swap one for one. If countries like China can invent their own AI to manipulate and influence our own intelligence, what's on the horizon in the information wars? Why not just beam the internet into China and let them see for themselves? AI needs to be studied and controlled before it decides to destroy Americans first and then everyone else in its path. Did Joe take the codes with him to Japan this weekend? I wonder what AI thinks about that. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday, 12 minutes till the hour. 
seeing a breaking report that Laura Ingram has now been fired from Fox. I don't know if that's true. I only see one place reporting it, but I don't know. It's on Twitter. It could be false. Yep. Uh, from what I saw about that story, I guess Drudge Report had a headline. They were going to shuffle everybody, and she wasn't included. And then Fox came out later and said that they're retaining her. So oh. that was three hours ago. I don't know if it's changed since then. Okay. Wow. Well, she spoke out pretty heavily against the vaccine. So, you know, they're trying to trying to get rid of all of the uh, – anybody who uh, spoke out against them is getting – you know, mafia style, kind of like whacked in uh, in a weird way. So. Well, did you see the uh, the uh, James O'Keefe um, video? I saw one with Santos's assistant. I didn't see what. Which one are you talking about? No, it came out. Uh, I want to say it came out earlier yesterday. Uh, talking to a Fox producer who admitted that the uh, Dominion settlement included Tucker getting fired. Pretty interesting stuff. Mm. All right, well, speaking of news, let's do some news here. Uh, 11 minutes till the hour. Uh, and news is brought to you by EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. Our friends, EarlyTreatmentMeds.com, all one word. Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right, well, we all know our favorite Democratic senator from California. Her name, Diane Feinstein. At least we know her name is Diane Feinstein. She might not know her name anymore, but the, that's beside the point. Uh, she is insisting that she has not been absent from Senate. When asked by reporters earlier today, according to uh, Slate and the Los Angeles Times, she said, no, I have no, I haven't been gone. She told the Times, Ben Oriskus, on Tuesday when asked about her Senate colleagues and how, <laughs> how they responded to her return. You should follow the I haven't been gone. I've been working, she said. Uh, he then asked whether she's been working from home. She said, no, I've been here. I've been voting, she said. Please, you either know or you don't know. She's, She's been old. in a black robe with a sickle running around <laughs> in the back hallways. In Westminster Abbey. Uh, yeah. Feinstein then reportedly <laughs> deflected a question about lawmakers calling for her to resign, and an aide wheeled her away. Her office did not immediately respond to a request for a comment, and the 89-year-old senator returned to Washington only last week, but I guess to her it feels like three months, uh, allowing Democrats to advance a series of President Biden's nominees through the Senate Judiciary Committee yeah. after Feinstein's absence had caused it to stall. Oh, boy. Let's, let's make sure that Diane and old um, John Fetterman are not on anything together because that's just <laughs> going to be, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, it just, it, it's, it's over. It's just enough is enough. Yeah. And if you've seen her, uh, shingles doesn't do that to a person. So. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, got another one real quick here. Uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts, U.S. Attorney, U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins will resign following a month-long investigation by the Justice Department and Inspector General into her, uh, into her appearance at a political fundraiser and other potential ethic issues. The Justice Department's watchdog has yet to release a report detailing the findings of the investigation, but an attorney for Rollins told the AP that she's she's going to be submitting a letter of resignation so you know it must be pretty bad. The resignation of the U.S. attorney amid ethics concerns is exceedingly rare uh, and is especially notable for the Justice Department that under attorney Merrick Garland has sought to restore a sense of normalcy. Rollins' attorney said she's been profoundly honored to serve and uh, proud of her work in the office but understands that her presence has become a distraction 
The Justice Department. Yeah, yeah that's the reason she's leaving. I'm a distraction. <laughs> Not that you're caught red-handed on the Hatch Act. No, no, right. no. I'm a distraction. So, you know, you know, whoa, time for me to go. I got to go. Yeah, she was a controversial pick to be Massachusetts' top federal, federal law enforcer. And twice needed the VP, Kamala Harris, to break a tie for her nomination to move forward amid fierce opposition from Republicans who painted her as radical. Guess what? They got it right. Before taking the high-profile U.S. attorney job, she was a top prosecutor for Suffolk County, which includes Boston. In her role there, she spared, or sparred, I should say, with Boston's largest police union, pushed, pushed ambitious criminal justice changes, and most notably a policy of you guess it, not to prosecute certain low-level crimes such as shoplifting. So there you have it. Yeah. Uh, another win for the good guys. Yeah, in the back door, out in the front door, out the back. That's the basic uh, standard now. Yeah. So there you have it. You want to uh, cut to cut to sports? Uh, yeah. Okay, we can do some sports here. Uh, seven minutes till the hour. Uh, sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, mypillow.com/lfs6b. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, back to the scoreboard. East Conference Finals, game one up in Boston. TD Garden got a good one so far. Big D, heater up 26-25, 2.51 to go in the first quarter. Jimmy Butler leads all scorers with a hot 10 points in the first quarter. And uh, Jason Tatum's firing away as well. I think he has six, so looking good there. And uh, we'll keep track on that score. Panthers and Hurricanes, that'll be tomorrow night, the East Conference uh, game one final as well. Uh, that'll be an 8 p.m. puck drop. We'll cover that tomorrow night on the show. A couple of quick baseball scores. Orioles over the Angels 3-1 mid-8th. Bottom 8th, Marlins lead the Nationals 4-3. Yankees and Blue Jays no score. Top of the 7th, good game. Pitches duel. Uh, Mariners getting bombed by the Red Sox 9-1, bottom of the 4th. The Mets continue their losing ways as the Rays are beating them 1-0 in the top of the 7th. Bottom 4 cards over the Brewers 1-0. Braves 2-zip over the Rangers top 4. Top 3rd, Cubbies over the Astros 5-1. Guardians and White Sox uh, tied at 1 in the end of 3. Earlier tonight, Pirates over the Tigers 8-zip. Dodgers took on the Twins Beat him 7-3. Finals again. Uh, one quick story. I think I got time for a big D. Uh, my LeBron, as I like to call him. James, number four on Forbes' highest paid athletes list, thanks to Chinese Nike Cash. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. LeBron James zooms in at number four in the top ten highest paid athletes in the world, along with two other NBA players, as they continue to reap the benefits of deals with Nike and its genocidal partners in Red China. Um, this is uh, James hitting uh, number four on the Forbes magazine top paid athletes list this year, with an on-field earnings of $44.5 million and an even bigger $75 million in off-the-court business deals. He's also the first athlete in history to become a certified billionaire, the magazine reminds readers. James earns far more than his various business ventures and endorsement deals and reportedly makes upwards of $30 million annually from Chinese partners Nike. Uh, the top three athletes in the highest paid uh, list are European soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo, number one with combined earnings of $136 million, Lionel Messi with $130 million, and Kylian Mbappe with $120 million. These Mbappe. Mbappe. These soccer <laughs> players, him? boy, oh boy, they know how to foot the bill. Uh, and as to the other NBA <laughs> players on the list, Golden State Warriors player Stephen Curry raked in about $100 million and earned eighth place on the list. Curry is not working with Knight, granted, but his deal with Under Armour still marks him as dealing with a company that has ties to China. So, uh, you know, it goes on to talk about Serena Williams. She was the 49th woman. She's also got big deals with Nike as well. How about, so. uh, how about Elon when he was asked about Taiwan? He's like, why are we trying to read through the lines? Let's just read the lines. Yeah. China's policy is that Taiwan is part of, uh, part of them. He goes, why are we trying to read through the lines? Just read the lines. He, he, was, he was over there on the Gordon Chang side of, of town. Like, it's like, pray up because you're going to need it. 
Like, holy cow. All right, live from Studio 6B, hour two coming up, and we will kick it off with a bang. The great John Salmon will join us right here live in studio right after this. Studio 6B, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Slick Rick still doing sports. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Aaron and Fran holding down. Look at this. Oh, Who is it now? Harry told him he was taking him to Applebee's. I think he tricked him. <laughs> <laughs> Brought him over to the studio. Yeah, the great apps. The great. <laughs> I thought I'd been here all along. Oh wait, that's Feinstein. Moment. Sorry about that. I, I wasn't here before. Please welcome officially to live from from Studio 6B, the great John Solomon. Great to have you here. I, I, guys, I've been dying to do this. You have the best. I, I, when I need to pick up at eight o'clock, I, I tune you guys in every night. This is awesome. It's great. <laughs> well, it is great to have you here, and uh, I promised the audience the first thing I was going to bring up with yeah. you because you had a little experience with this today. When you hear that Meghan Markle says they had a two-hour chase around New York City, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I think John knows that that's about as impossible. You can't drive two feet without having to stop. I went three City. and a half hours from the George W. to here. There's no chance they had two hours at any time of night in New York. Yeah, oh, they're legends in their own mind. Yeah. They really are. Exactly. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, God. So, uh, it's John. Like, it's like crazy because at first I didn't really think he existed in person. I um, and then he walked in and, and I don't know if you noticed during the news, I started stammering because I'm like, oh my God, he's standing right there. <laughs> oh, he's standing geez. right there. And I'm trying not yeah. to look at him, but he's standing right there. Yeah. And I'm not reading this from his news light site. Oh my God, yes. I should probably pick a different story. To Joe uh, Biden's great chagrin, I really am a real person. Yeah. <laughs> so you did a great hour of the uh, America's First Warehouse oh, with David Zier. So let's talk about the America's First Warehouse first. Pretty incredible, right? Oh, it's so immersive. Uh, the spirit of the people really would drive it, but the the uh, the house itself, the the artifacts, the the, uh, the the chemistry of the building, and then the people. Uh, it, it's uh, it's the most fun I had in a long time. Um, everyone says, "Well, the country's on the ropes; it's on life support." It's not. When you meet with the people at America First Warehouse, you realize that there's a silent majority, and they're not going to be silent any longer. Mm. But, um, it was uh, amazing. Just amazing. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was great. We I was there. I watched a lot of it. And then I know you did Q&A for the last hour. And, we, yeah. and thanks for coming over. How great was questions. The, how, yeah, I was going to say, how were the questions? Great questions. I mean, people are really read up. They understand what's going on in their country. And they're not satisfied with the answers they're getting from Washington. You know, the, when I go to Washington, I get a kick out of this. I and mean, you should do a whole show on this. People in Washington are so full of themselves. They're <laughs> certain that they've pulled the wool over the American people's eyes. They have no idea what they look like to everyday Americans who are trying to make two ends meet or just have the common sense that drive this country to all its greatness. Yeah. That's a good lead into what I wanted to ask you because I said to the guys in the last segment, and I, I said, you know, we were on air to the audience too. I said, I said, uh, John said a couple things over there in that hour that I really, I really sat back and thought, hmm, I want to talk to him about that. You said every time, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah. I think, 
You said every time the country has moved hard left, we've always had a moment where the the, the foundation, constitutional foundation yeah. of the country has always pulled us back to the center. And the audience and Rick was saying, you know, no, there's no one as negative as I am every <laughs> night doing the show. And I said, well, you know, it's hard for the American it people is. to square up what they see with Comey, Clapper, yep. um, McCabe, all these guys lied, lied with no disregard for their careers, for what it would do to the country. There's never any uh, punishment for it. They get a job on MSNBC, and then they go on yep. as experts, and we got to look at them every night. And um, and I said, John seems much more positive about 24. Nervous that it's 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 everything's on the line. There is, yeah. But you definitely seem more upbeat than maybe someone like me right now. Why is that? Listen, I think there's a few things to like. At first, I really subscribe to the idea that the Constitutional Republic has an, a, a natural gravity to it. So when the pendulum swings too far in either direction, the gravity that our founding fathers put into all the great thinking of our country, it pulls us back. It did after the 60s and 70s. It did after the anti-war protests of 05 and 06. We came together after 9-11. You know, we were quite divided going into 9-11 after the Florida recount uh, issue, and then all of a sudden we came together. The Founding Fathers knew that we would have moments of strife, and I think they created institutions that long-term, if one gets out of hand, like currently uh, we have with the President, Congress pulls them back, the Supreme Court pulls them back, right? How many times has Donald, uh, uh, Joe Biden been stomped on by the court, say, well, a court, any court, saying, you're exceeding the law? They have a way of fixing this. And I think uh, I use this anecdote, maybe in the Q&A afterwards. I was in Philadelphia for the book thing recently, and a mom came up to me and she said, I grew up as a child in the Reagan era. My mom used to say, hey, there's a silent majority of Americans. That's why Ronald Reagan is. And she said, I subscribe to that. But we can't be silent anymore. Uh, silence is complicity in this very moment in our history. And I think... To have that palpable sense and, you know, an everyday person just trying to make ends meet, get their kids to school, realize that on her, she can't be uh, signing when she's got to speak up. I think 2024 is a year where people speak with a very loud voice. And uh, there's an, and then you go, OK, well, great. But the Republicans seem to botch every election and they have botched the last three. Um, but when you go, you look at what Republicans did, they won the popular vote in 2022. They lost the uh, more seats than they wanted to. But they did it without basically doing any early voting. And the Democrats have maxed out early voting. If Republicans just do 50 percent early voting, they're going to have a tsunami on Election Day. And I think they just held out too long. I mean, the writing's on the wall. If the other side's doing it and it's legal, why aren't you doing it? Why give them an advantage? Yeah. And I think the Republican Party's now waking up to that. Those two factors, uh, more than anything else, convince me that there's going to be some sanity in the 2024 election. The third one is that there could be an epic Supreme Court case. No one's thinking about this one, but this is the case to watch. North Carolina GOP versus North Carolina State. In that case, uh, the, uh, it's about reapportionment. Does the legislature have the right to reapportion districts uh, as, the, as the founding fathers gave and the courts and the governor don't have a say in it? Right now, they pass a law, the governor gets to sign it, the courts get to overturn it. I, it's pretty clear from watching the arguments in that case and the oral briefs in that case that the justices are probably going to rule that when the founding fathers said the legislature only gets to set the time manner of an election, they meant only the legislature. That will mean that courts and governors can't overrule them. Well, in Wisconsin, there's a Republican legislature. They can't, they, they've tried election reform several times. The Democratic governor vetoes it. They could go into 2024 setting the rules of the election and the governor can't veto it and the courts can't overturn it. If that moment happens, the Democrats are going to be out of all their bag of tricks that they've been using the last few elections. And that, right, and that's huge because this is what we've talked about, at least what I've talked about all along, is yeah. when we talk about 2020 and people talk about fraud, 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 it's always yep. the default position. It was fraud. It was stolen. It was stolen. Yeah. 
I always like to argue that, okay, yes, machines, voting, dead people, all that yeah. is always a part of it. It always has. Yeah. But the fraud happened before election it day did. when these state legislatures had the power taken it, right? away, when Mark Elias was going into these states with all of his Democratic yep. thug attorneys, yep. going in and changing the playing field. Votes that were counted on November just six months before that would not have been counted. That's exactly right. And, and, and later, months later, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, well, those changes were unlawful. Well, thanks for telling us after the election. Why did they tell them after? the election, Republicans were too slow to challenge it before. The mindset that Republicans have to have is you win election day before election day. You don't win it on election day, and you certainly aren't going to win it after the election. You got one time in 2000. It's not happening again. So the failure to challenge Mark Elias and all these things, in some cases, like Georgia, Georgia actually facilitated Mark Elias. They made they went along with the changes. They did the consent decree. Yeah. Georgia changed it in 2022, and, and Brian Kemp had a very good, and Republicans had a great uh, election season. All the riding for Republican success here. We were a little slow. I think Republicans are a little slow to get there. But I think now they know the playbook they got to do. And Democrats realize, hey, we're kind of out of bag of tricks here. I mean, if they start doing what we do, we're in trouble. So now they're going to do things like, you know, uh, try to get Clarence Thomas off the Supreme Court to try to do something. Right. But I, I think Republicans are well positioned. Now they can still rescue uh, victory from the uh, rescue. Uh, yeah. Victory from the jaws of defeat. They could do it. They might do it. <laughs> but I, I think they're, they're well positioned to have a much better run. OK, let's talk about the other big thing that's out there. Um, and I know people don't like to talk about it, but I want to bring it up to you sure. today. New York Post Biden up seven points over Donald Trump in 2024 <laughs> popular vote poll shows. You continue to hear the yeah. argument that that's the one they want to run against. They right. want to run against Trump. He can't get suburban women. How is he going to get people off the couch who didn't vote for him in uh, 16 or 20 suburban women, this, right. that, and the other thing? They want to run against Trump because Biden will beat him. What yeah. do you say to that? Uh, Biden's future is going to be determined by the economy more than anything else. And the economy seems to be uh, <laughs> stuttering towards a, a recession and perhaps a really significant stagflation moment. It feels like Jimmy Carter's, we were all younger then, a lot younger then, but I think we remember our parents being in the gas lines and, yep. and you're going to the food store and odd, yeah. odd and even days for filling up. Uh, we may not be quite there, but just today, just today, Joe Biden's energy reliance agency said, oh, they're going to be brownouts this year because we took too, more, too much coal load off and we didn't replace it with enough solar. Well, we've been warning about that. If people can't get air conditioning when it's 90 degrees out, then they go to the store and their grocery bill is 40% higher and the gas bill is twice as high. They're going to yearn for the days of Donald Trump. It won't matter how many mean tweets he has. The experience they have at the dinner table is what matters most. And I think that Joe Biden can spin all he want. And you can listen, you can rig a poll any way you want. There's a lot of polls that show uh, Trump's up seven or eight points on Biden. We won't know until the fall of 2024. Uh, and so much history can take place. We don't know who's come across the border. Maybe there's a terror attack waiting in the wings. We don't know if the economy is going to, we don't know if China is going to invade Taiwan. Many things will happen. Donald Trump is much stronger than anyone expected him to be at this point. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis is learning that. Now, Ron DeSantis could make a power move. He's still got plenty of time. Uh, we all thought Jeb Bush was going to be the nominee about this time in 2015. And boy, were we wrong about that, right? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> they didn't even see Every Jeb Bush. I, I saw him at a restaurant. Like, oh. No one even noticed him there. It was like he was like a tree in the forest. Um, I, re I remember everybody thought he was just oh, going to yeah. be coronated, yep. right? They and Donald like, Trump oh, was just a sideshow, right? Jeb Bush. Yeah. I mean, he can yeah. even speak Spanish. He was the governor yep. of Florida. He was very successful. He didn't even make it through oh, the primary no. season. It's Couldn't crazy. Maybe. Politics have a, a funny way of taking twists and turns. It's a roller coaster ride. Trump's in a good position now. And I think what's the what the prosecutors are doing to Donald Trump is something that Donald Trump could never do for himself. Donald Trump can't be a sympathetic figure. Not, he doesn't want sympathy. Yep. He's a tough, bruising New Yorker that grew up on the tough side of the real estate business. And 
But somehow these prosecutors and all these attacks, they're making him a sympathetic figure, even to people that might not like him. And I think that's being underestimated by the Democrats. They're playing into Donald Trump's play. You know, the Durham report, I said this on the show, even even if you're not 100 percent behind Donald Trump yet for 24, you, you know, you're leaning that way. Yeah. But you want to see what, you know, whatever you, yeah. we got to win at any and all costs. We got to win. Yeah. But the Durham report almost gives you the feeling when you see this so blatantly, it almost gives you the feeling like he's got to be the guy. Because who else is going to go in there? Maybe he went in in 16 and thought he could do both govern yeah. and, and drain the swamp. That's Didn't right. realize what he was up against. Yeah. Who else can go in there now and burn this thing to the ground like these like these three-letter places need to be? And also, there's another thing to think about. He survived the most awesome attacks of the most awesome <laughs> intelligence in law enforcement agencies in America. He's still standing. Yeah. And there, all those guys that were running those attacks are unemployed, right? Where's Andy McCabe? He's on CNN. I guess that's like being unemployed. And then, you know, you got, uh, you got uh, James Comey. He's out taking pictures of trees and tweeting. Selling and, books. And yeah. Donald Trump is in the game, possibly, you know, going to be the nominee in 2024. Um, I think that tells people something about the toughness that against one of the most unfair alignment of forces, media, uh, bureaucracy, law enforcement, the guy's still standing. And I think people have a soft spot for people who can, you know, our whole manifest destiny. We're tough guys and gals going out west and fighting impossible ads. I think there's a little bit of rooting on. He's got to do some things. He's got to be able to talk to suburban women. He's got to be able to talk to moms. And there's plenty of things that he can connect on. He's pivoting on abortion in a very interesting way. Just keep an eye on that. I don't think the base is going to be happy. Yeah. But I think he's making a play for women that are in, in the middle and want to have a choice, even if they think it's morally wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does something that Bill Clinton did in the 90s when he got himself caught in between his own left wing. He started to say, listen, uh, I, I'm against abortion. It's going to be legal because, of course, not going to overturn it. But I'm going to work on reducing abortions by just giving women choices. I think if Donald Trump went there, he'd be a very uh, appealing person to women. I'm starting to hear him talk that way, and I'd watch mm, for that right. pivot. But there's a lot of places for him to go. I think he's going to have a climate change plan for young voters, which is, I don't believe the crap, but since you guys want to cover carbon, I'll do it, and I won't work your economy. You'll actually not have to walk to work. You'll still be able to have a car. And I think he'll do a lot of unexpected things in the general election. Well, I know you got to head back to D.C. We loved having you here. Thank you for stopping by. I love you guys. The great John Salmon, Just the News, no noise. And, of course, justthenews.com. Check it out. First place you should go every day. The great John Salmon, live from Studio 6B, 13 past the hour. More to do. We're back right after this. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. The great John Solomon just joined us in studio. Wow. That, that was, was incredible. Cool. Uh, it, it almost felt weird, like, looking over, and I'm like, that's yeah. the guy we see on TV. Hey, that's the guy on TV. That is the guy on TV. <laughs> there you go. He's, he's a good one to be starstruck with. It's the yeah. great John Solomon. He's just fantastic. Best. So, Like I Best. said, when he first walked in and we were doing the news, I was kind of thrown. And I was like, oh, man, he's staring really? at me. He's staring at me doing the news. Here I am doing doing his job. Like he's the news guy, and here I am screwing up news right in front of him. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, so you were good. You were fine. He, uh, yeah, I think he likes the show. So yeah, yeah. That's and he, he likes you guys. He keeps telling us that. Yes. Um, all right. Seventeen past the hour. So we'll get into some other things here. But let's um, 
Let's do some news. I feel like we haven't done much news here. With uh, Rick Delgado, news is brought to you by EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. Uh, what's going on? All right. Well, if you didn't know, John Solomon stopped by the studio. That was big news. <laughs> That's, That's news. Big news. Uh, <laughs> big news. <laughs> big news. Uh, in the uh, I did not kill myself portion of the news <laughs> for tonight, I have a couple more stories. You this ready is like for an every night segment now. Yeah, I don't know if it's every night, but anytime I see something pop up, of course, I have to preface it by saying I did not kill myself. Uh, Elon Musk has shut down uh, the Jeffrey Epstein rumors almost as quickly as they began, and he didn't wait long, according to this article. As often, the response came on Twitter, the platform he acquired last October, just hours after his name emerged to everyone's surprise in the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. Elon Musk responded forcefully to silence any speculation or rumor that may associate him with the sexual predator. The billionaire also ripped apart J.P. Morgan Chase, with which he has held a grudge due to its history with Tesla. A brief reminder of the facts, a woman whose identity has not been released in the government of the Virgin Islands sued J.P. Morgan in late 2022, alleging the bank facilitated the actions of Jeffrey Epstein accused of sexual crimes against minors. J.P. Morgan is denying these uh, these uh, accusations. Musk was subpoenaed. The government brought this civil action against uh, defendant J.P. Morgan Chase as part of an ongoing effort to protect uh, public safety and hold accountable those who facilitated or participated in, he said, directly or indirectly, the trafficking enterprise of Jeffrey Epstein, the U.S. attorney said in court documents. Uh, so again, Elon Musk came out very quickly because they were trying to link him, or I guess the news was trying to link him to Jeffrey Epstein. It added that the investigation also revealed that J.P. Morgan knowingly, recklessly, and unlawfully provided and pulled the levers through which Epstein's recruiters and victims were paid and was indispensable to the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. These are pretty, you know, the more I'm reading about this J.P. Morgan stuff, um, it's pretty egregious, the things that they're uh, being accused of when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein. You know, we're talking about one of the biggest banks in the world, and to see that that sentence that I just read there, um, saying that the, that they were part of, they were co-conspirators, in exchange for known facilitation and implicit participation in Epstein's sexual trafficking venture is just insane when you think about it because it's it's JP Morgan Chase. You see them everywhere, right? Just one of the biggest banks in the world, one of the biggest uh I want to say advertisers. I think it is the biggest. Yeah. And it's just it's just insane to think about that they were involved with someone on this level like um Jeffrey Epstein. Now, speaking more about this as we continue in this portion of the news, Judge warns J.P. Morgan Chase of contempt finding for slow walking evidence in the Jeffrey Epstein case. Now, this jumps from the the Virgin Islands to a New York federal judge who warned J.P. Morgan Chase that he might find the bank in contempt of court if it does not speed up producing evidence related to the late sex offender and the money manager Jeffrey Epstein for lawsuits by an Epstein accuser and the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Judge Jed, Jed Rakoff suggested that the notice that J.P. Morgan and the two law firms representing the bank have been slow walking uh, turning in and turning over documents and other evidence to plaintiffs in the case under process known as discovery, according to the source familiar with the notice. The notice comes two weeks after Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, 
is scheduled to be questioned under oath by plaintiff's lawyers for civil suits which accuse his bank of enabling and benefiting from Epstein's alleged sex trafficking of young women. The court, he says, this is a judge, also wishes to note that it is concerned that J.P. Morgan is not moving more expeditiously to produce responsive documents. Um, And while the court appreciates the large volume of discovery that is to be completed in this case, the company as large as J.P. Morgan Chase and their counsel are experienced and should be able to move with greater speed than what is revealed by this incident, the judge wrote. So there you have it. More more coming out. And the more more we find out about this J.P. Morgan, uh, this Jeffrey Epstein case, the more J.P. Morgan seems to be wrapped up in it. So... Well, pretty crazy. Know, while all the um, all the banks of Middle America, all these middle tier banks, are collapsing under um, government raising five hundred basis points, you know what's happening to J.P. Morgan? They're this then uh, they're to sweep up everything, so the government keeps making them bigger and bigger and bigger by effectively nationalizing the banks. So I don't think they have many worries. Yeah. So, so what else is going on in the news? Uh, Montana officially officially became the first state to ban TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, after uh, Governor Greg Gianafort signed a bill restricting downloads of the immensely popular social media app into law. The legislation, which was passed in April to make it illegal for app stores to give users the option to download TikTok and also illegal for the company to operate within the state. The law is likely to face challenges in court, arguing it restricts free speech. But the, the governor praised the bill's privacy protections. He says the Chinese Communist Party using TikTok to spy on Americans violate their privacy and collect their personal, private, and sensitive information and is well documented, he said in a news release, calling the law the most decisive action by any state. And, and people are saying they, they expect other states to follow suit with what Montana has done. TikTok, uh, TikTok spokesperson Brooke Oberwetter uh, called the bill unlawful in a state statement Wednesday saying that the app is a platform that empowers hundreds of thousands of people across the state to have their information stolen by the Chinese Communist Party. No, she didn't really say that. I added that last part. Um. <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> she also went on to say, we want to reassure Montanans that they can continue using TikTok to express themselves, earn a living, and find community as we continue working to defend the rights of our users inside and outside of Montana. You know, John made another great point over there with David Zier. He said, you know, everybody's focused on the border when it comes to fentanyl and, you know, obviously rightly so the cartels. He said, but what you should be looking at is China because China is really who preps all this stuff and puts it all, makes it possible for the cartels to then take it and sell it to your kids. So don't forget where it starts. It doesn't start in Mexico with the cartels. It starts in China with all the parts being put together. Yep. So they want to target your they want to target your your preteen kids through TikTok and they're targeting your kids through fentanyl through the Mexican border. And it all goes back to China. Yeah. So all right, what else is on the news? Uh, one last quick one. New York City Mayor Adams is considering using an abandoned prison, much like uh, you remember the show uh, Walking Dead, where they walked into the prison to hide from the zombies. Well, this is what he's no, but I remember people. the movie with Sean Connery about the abandoned prison that they took over or whatever. Remember that movie? What was that called with Nicolas Cage and oh, oh the Rock Escape from Alcatraz? Oh yeah, oh, the, the Rock. rock. 
Where they, sco- where they uh, broke into Alcatraz. New York yeah. City Mayor Eric Adams is reportedly considering housing migrants in a shuttered Hudson Valley prison. He considered the idea to, <laughs> in a call to county officials as New York City struggles to find accommodations for thousands of more asylum seekers. No more vets to throw out of a hotel? I guess they ran mm. out. Okay. Uh, expected to arrive following the expiration of Title 42. Adams on the call said his administration needs help from neighboring counties as a city has already provided housing, food, and other services to over 65,000 asylum seekers over the past year. Adams in the call did rule out the suggestion of using the uh, the vacant um, prison, but also he considered a vacant housing at SUNY New Paltz. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. He says, nothing is off the table. If anyone has an alternative location, we're opening to listening. We're not taking anything off the table. We're going to look through both of those locations that were mentioned. So there you have it. All right, 26 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. We'll do some sports with Slick Rick. We'll do some more news when we get back. We've got a uh, WTF of the day. Get to that as well. Sounds like the blues on a Wednesday night, which probably means I need to, uh, what am I doing here? Birch Gold, our friends from Birch Gold. Inflation has consequences. That's exactly right. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are left, uh, well, Holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with our friends from the Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals, here's what you need to do. Text America, send it to 989898 and get your free information kit from our friends at Birch Gold Group. Get all your options. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k, probably from a previous employer, into an IRA in physical precious metals. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. And the best part is it's tax sheltered. So text America to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold today. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of satisfied customers. Countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text AMERICA to 989898 and do it today. All right, live from Studio 6B31 past the hour. Uh, let's do some sports right now, and then I'm going to get into this uh, thing on the debt here. And we'll do the WTF of the day, and we'll see um, 
we'll thank the people of Pennsylvania one more time for what they've uh, <laughs> what they've allowed us to have oh, to boy. witness. So, uh, Slick Rick Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. What's going on? All right, East Conference Finals Game One at the half. Celtics with a 66-57 lead over the Miami Heat. Jason Tatum leads all scorers, shooting seven of thirteen for eighteen points. Big D. Jimmy Butler from Miami, six of 12, 15 points. So I, I still think the Heat will make a run, make it a little close, but Celtics looking to get that one nothing uh, edge and hold serve on their home court tonight. So, again, we'll keep track of that. I'll give you another report at the end of the night. Slick uh, Rick, didn't in the first segment of sports tonight, didn't you do the L.A. Dodgers story anti-Catholic thing? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yep. I just got an email from someone saying, hey, why don't you call these guys out? And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, was, was I here uh, yeah. from the beginning of the show? I thought I, I was. Might, uh, they're a little late to church, Big D. Okay. Yeah. I would say exactly. so, considering you called them out yesterday, too. Just yeah, making we sure. did a whole segment. And poor David yeah. Zia, was, it was depressed after I read that I story. Couldn't okay. okay. He was, was depressed <laughs> before, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we got to Good cheer point, him up. friend. Yeah, well, it's depressing in general what we have to do. Uh, but, uh, hey, we got Major League Baseball, uh, Yankees and Blue Jays. Good one. Bottom of the eighth pitches duel. No score. Uh, Mariners, uh, well, looks like the Red Sox are going to close that went out 12 to 4 top of the six red sox lead um raise over the mets 4-2 bottom eight uh bottom six the uh, cardinals lead the uh, brewers one zip and the rangers 4-3 over the braves that's the middle of the six cubs in command over the astros 6-1 bottom five white sox 5-1 over the gardens that's the bottom of the fifth and uh, uh let's see the rockies over the reds 11 to 6 earlier this evening and diamondbacks took care of the athletic the uh oakland a's soon to be the vegas a's 5-3 giants over the Phillies 7-4 earlier today. Royals beat the Padres 4-3. Orioles 3-1 over the Angels. And the Marlins defeated the Nationals 4-3. Here's a story, guys. Sir versus Zer. MMA great Jake Shields challenged 10 toughest trans men to fight. No one realistically stepped up. Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart. In a day and age of buzzwords such as inclusion and opportunity, MMA legend Jake Fields uh, extended a one in a million opportunity to female fighters who identify as men. Fight me in a professional MMA fight and I'll prove you are the man you say you are. Uh, over a week later, none have stepped up in any real sense. As a result, Shields feel he proved his point while ever having to throw a punch. In an exclusive interview with Breitbart Sports, Shields a UFC strike force and elite FC veteran explains the absurdity of allowing trans men, females who identify as men to compete against men. But as the five-time MMA champion says, if these trans men believe they are real men who can compete against male fighters, they should step in the cage with him and prove it. Uh, Shields frames his uh, challenges in simple terms. Trans women who compete against biological females and those who support them are trying to claim they have either limited or no physical advantages at all. We hear this all the night, right? I report on this every night. So why not challenge trans men and prove that gender does matter. Uh, but with uh, no one stepping up to accept this challenge in any real sense, Shields feels he proved his point. Uh, looking at the radical gender ideology movement as a whole, beyond the world of sports, Shields feels pro-trans activists have pushed people too far uh, and a backlash from people who don't want transgender ideology enforced on their kids could ensue. For the moment, Shields is confiding, uh, confining his challenge to trans men fighters. However, he won't rule out fighting a biological male trans fighter, such as Fallon Fox to prove a point. So Jake Fields, the legend himself, one of the one of the greatest to do it, Big D. He's calling him out. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. And that's a wrap in sports. <clears throat> All right, so Greg, very good. We'll do some more sports. We'll do some more news. But before we do news, this um this happened yesterday in the hearing with uh, Silicon Valley Bank as the CEO was sitting at the table. Um, here's the next 
Next up to ask questions <laughs> sound a little like this. Is, is it staggering? Is it a staggering response responsibility that, a, that, that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy? It's astonishing. That's like if you have I mean, like and, and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter by, by how you know huh? so it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how there's their conduct is <laughs> don't you understand what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP, you know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, required. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank you, with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pre preoccupied uh, when than SNAP uh, and requirements for works for hungry people, but not about protecting the tax the taxpayers you know that will oh, bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it right sure what the hell is he talking about <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think everyone in the world would like to now reclaim their time uh <laughs> That was a complete waste of it. <laughs> how can they put him up there? And then the, the other part of me is, how can they not put him up there? It's amazing to watch this. Just, just he degenerates, right? He gets through the first sentence, and he tries to go off script. You know, like, uh, like, uh, like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then it's, and we're off, we're off to the bottom of the toilet bowl. I mean, I, I, I... Right. What the hell is he talking about? What the hell are we watching? What the hell are you talking about? I mean, that is so scary. And people, well, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. That one's got me at a lot. That, I'm gonna just, that, that one's got me at a lot. That one's got me at a More so than hello, good night. No, 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 no. I don't know. Exactly. That's it, Joe. Joe don't know. That's just got me at a loss. So. Oh, man. Pennsylvania. They got what they deserve. Um, Daniel Horowitz has a piece today in The Blaze about the debt ceiling negotiations. And um, I've been talking about the debt here for a long time. And the fact that uh, this idea of default on the debt and the interest on the debt, like not making the bond payment, is such a red herring. He tackles a little bit of that today in, in kind of a different way. And uh, he says, for some, $31.4 trillion of debt is clearly not enough. They want to pile up $2 trillion in annual deficits. And by the way, $2 trillion and growing every year until interest payments alone will absolutely crush us in the near future. That is the debt default that we face. Forcing a balanced budget or a modest step towards it by refusing to run up more debt without reform is, uh, is the way to fix it. Now it's time for Republicans to get on message. The long-term problem is default regardless of the debt limit. 
Not only are we facing national bankruptcy if we fail to trim government, but we will face default on the debt unless we lower the debt, regardless of the debt ceiling. The COVID destruction of the economy and biblical deluge of spending um, and debt those policies unleashed finally broke the government's Ponzi scheme. Interest rates on treasuries will have to remain elevated and likely rise even more for years to come. This means the Federal Reserve can no longer service massive amounts of debt on the cheap. At 5% interest, which where we are now and possibly climbing, our annual interest on the debt will rise above $700 billion a year and very soon surpass the cost of our military spending. The projected deficits will rise from an unfathomable $1.5 trillion to well over $2.2 trillion at the end of the 10-year budget window. According to the CBO, the projected cumulative deficit over the 2024 to 2033 period will be $20.2 trillion. And we know these numbers always have to be revised upwards every year. So this is no longer about the solvency of Social Security. We won't even make it to the point of a Social Security crisis. Because the interest on the debt alone, in conjunction with the vicious cycle of inflation, stagflation, and accelerated interest rate payments will make us insolvent within a few years. As the CBO reports during the first seven months of this fiscal year, the largest single increase was in net outlays for interest on the public debt, which rose by $107 billion, or 40%. It's not just a problem of public debt, but, a, but of personal debt as well. With the endless stagflation, with the cost of living rising much quicker than wage increases, the average family can no longer afford food, fuel, housing, and health care. What happens when interest rates skyrocket concurrent with the rising cost of living? Take housing, for example. The average mortgage on the median cost house today is more than double what it was just three years ago. Home prices are up 56% at the same time mortgage rates have doubled. That is a recipe for pricing out an entire generation of first-time homebuyers. The overreaching message of the GOP needs to convey is that the problem here is the debt, not the debt ceiling. Much like you don't blame traffic on stop signs or red lights, which are needed to keep people alive. <clears throat> we could permanently abolish the debt limit tomorrow, but it will not matter because the music on this Ponzi scheme of musical chairs has ended. A little bit more of this when we get back. Sports and news will wrap it up for a Wednesday night.
President Joe Biden has declared it. White supremacy is the top threat to the nation. Nuclear arms in Ukraine, Chinese aggression across the globe, terrorism in the Middle East. Nope. White supremacy in America is the top threat, according to the White House. Their scapegoat, the January 6th prisoners. While people like Stuart Rhodes and Enrique Tarrio face sentencing for a seditious conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government, the web of LLCs around the Biden family has brought a litany of allegations concerning national security and how it affects public policy, not to mention international diplomacy. But wait, white supremacy is the top problem. Enrique Tarrio, leader of the Proud Boys, is not even white. Stuart Rhodes' organization, The Oath Keepers, has many ethnicities in its rank. What's going on here? Can somebody please show me where these people are? Because they don't exist. Russiagate, impeachments, and whatever else the government says. We just don't believe you anymore. And we sure don't believe you that white supremacy is the top problem of the nation. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. All right, 12 minutes to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Just about to respond to somebody in the getter chat, Uh-oh. not chat, but message. Uh-oh. Who says, um, we all know he's mentally disabled because of his stroke. I hope you, I hope you who make jokes on his mental state never experience a stroke. That was coming. Who's making a joke about his stroke? He's a publicly elected official who makes decisions who affect your life and everyone's life. Anybody's fair game. Oh, yeah. He's, ele- he's an elected official who's getting pushed, who's getting used. Who makes almost $200,000 a year of your money. So you may be fine with it. I'm not. And I'll bring attention to it. It's not making fun of the guy. It's pathetic. Give me a break. All right, let's do some uh, sports and news before we wrap it up. Oh, just a little more. I just want to finish just a little bit more on this debt thing. <clears throat> God, that's aggravating, isn't it? Yeah, I, oh, I had a feeling that so. was coming. I had a feeling somebody would say that in the chat. It's abundantly clear that inaction on the debt is not an option. We need to do surgery right now. But forcing brinksmanship over the debt ceiling will force immediate default, right? That's what we keep hearing. Well, no, it will not. Only if Biden purposely defaults. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen wrongly asserted that if Congress fails to issue more debt authority immediately this month, we have, no, we have to default on some obligations, whether it's treasuries or payments to Social Security receipts. This is simply, as I've been telling you, a false statement. Because we have enough revenue to cover three quarters of what the feds need to fund. So I just wanted to get to that last paragraph because that's the money paragraph. And that's what I keep telling you. And that's what no one else wants to talk about. And the press refused to ask any of these people who keep telling you, I don't default, I don't default. Not going to default. There's more than enough money to make those payments every month. We're, 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 there's, we're, we, the, the government's taking in more money now. There's only two times in history they've taken in as much in tax revenue than they're taking in now. So we don't have a tax problem in this country. We don't, we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. 
All right, let's do some sports and with news. Uh, Slick Rick, what else is going on? All right, back to the NBA. Uh, just underway, third quarter action up at TD Garden in Boston, and the uh, Celtics are maintaining a 10-point lead, Big D. 71-61, keeping it at an arm's length distance. I think they may take game one, uh, but again, we never know what the end there. Uh, and Yankees and Blue Jays, still no score. Top of the ninth on that one. Red Sox 12-3 over the Mariners. Uh, Rays look like they're going to take on take the Mets out 5-2, middle of the ninth. And, uh, well, that's all the scores I'm going to give you. Give enough scores to Tonight. Okay, here's one. High school basketball eliminates one and one free three uh, free throws. Sets new team foul limit. Teams will shoot two free throws starting with the fifth foul in a quarter. This is Joe Morgan of Fox Sports News. Saw this about 5 o'clock. Uh, high school basketball will no longer have one and one free throws after teams enter the bonus. Starting next season, high school basketball will eliminate one and one free throws, instead implementing a two free throw system when teams enter the bonus, according to a release by the National Federation of State High School associations, otherwise known as the NFHS. The previous rule had teams enter the one-and-one after the opposing team committed seven fouls and a half, entering the double bonus once ten fouls were committed in a half. The new rule put teams in the bonus after five fouls in a quarter, with team fouls resetting after each quarter. Sounds like who's on first. Uh, The rule rule changes (laughs) were approved by the NFHS Basketball Rules Committee at its April meeting in Indianapolis. Uh, The changes were approved by the uh, NFHS Board of Directors. So some new rules in uh, high school baseball. Hey, just stay out of, don't commit any fouls and you'll be okay. I don't have to worry about it. Boy, you see some videos of these, uh, yeah, it's more videos of parents fighting at these games. It's just unbelievable. Uh, it, uh, they're out of control. They, they, they got it. I don't know how they're going to put an end to it, Big D. I really don't know. Do they um, start shooting free throws too? Or? They should. Three <laughs> One of them had to get a helicopter airlifted to the hospital. There were so many injuries. It was crazy. crazy. Well, Arizona's at it again. Coyotes' future in Arizona in jeopardy after arena vote fails. Another vote fails, a good vote. Another fails in uh, Arizona. This is Adam Gretz of Yardbarker. The future of the Arizona Coyotes is in serious jeopardy on Tuesday night after a public vote on a new arena project in Tempe, Arizona failed. The Coyotes were counting on getting the results to go forward with a new arena that would help secure the team's long-term future in the desert. But after it became obvious that they were going to fall short on Tuesday night, both the Coyotes and the NHL issued ominous statements on what comes next. Basically, they're threatening that they're going to have to probably relocate to another state, which would really be a shame. I know Arizona, they love their Coyotes. Right now, they're playing in an arena, University of Arizona State, 5,000 seats, which, you know, we know is far below. That's like one-third of a normal NHL arena, if not less. So, uh, we'll have to see what happens with that big D. But, uh, yeah, NHL, a little shake-up in Arizona. Once again, they didn't get a vote right. They were going to build an entire entertainment, uh, you know, complex down there. And, uh, you know, it's an economic stimulus. You keep your team in there. It's good for morale as well. And, uh, again, those always generate tax-positive revenue, these sports arenas. And, well, there you go, Arizona. Another good job. That's a wrap in sports, Mm. Big D. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Very good sports brought to you by Mike Lindell and our code LFS6B. Uh, What else is going on in the news, Rick? All right. Well, angry parents and kids are rallying outside New York City schools over migrants. Yes, they're they're demanding... Mayor Adams find other spots, including his own Gracie Mansion, to dump asylum seekers. I say to the mayor, open up Gracie Mansion and allow the migrants to have a shower and a hot meal. Myra Ducos 42 raged to the New York Post as she rallied outside her children's Williamsburg School, PS 17, first thing yesterday. You have 22,000 square feet. Let them seek refuge in your home. I bet he has a good stove to cook on uh, to give the migrants a hot meal as well. PS17, (laughs) which shares a gym with (laughs) MS. 
Cooking with gas. <laughs> Which shares a gym with MS-577, housed 10 migrant men for two hours overnight before the asylum seekers were whisked off to Staten Island, according to a source familiar with the situation. Dozens of cots were erected inside the gym on Monday, as the post revealed PS-17 were among those schools set to temporarily take in asylum seekers as the Big Apple struggles with surging with the surging migrant crisis. The move prompted 60 parents to picket outside the campus early Tuesday as they demanded they get the kids get their use of their gym back. They said, I don't feel safe having adult men with no criminal background checks or health screenings living in our children's schools, said Richard Cabo, 46, whose daughter is in sixth grade at MS 577. So there you have it. Parents, you know, maybe this is what's going to turn that tide. You know, you asked about uh, what's going to turn the tide of these uh, parents and suburban women towards Trump. Stuff like this. Because this is the kind of stuff that hits them right in the face. And Democrats love this kind of garbage. So, and that's a wrap for tonight's news. There, well, we'll see. You know, we're going to cross that Rubicon of when are people going to stop voting at the demise of their own life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We'll see. So... All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us, all our truckers, all our farmers. Uh, thanks, everybody, on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to the great John Solomon for stopping in while he's here in town. Harry on the highway, David Zier. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night. Oh, Slickster with the extra slick move. Numbers, wow. Numbers, no numbers. We'll see you tomorrow night. No shoes Thursday for you. No shoes night, for you. live from Studio 6B. No shoes for you. <laughs> <laughs>